You're listening to The Esoterics Podcast, hosted by Joe Figueres and Fioralise Franco. everyone doing this week in this crazy Gemini full moon energy where today is the full moon we're taping on the full moon yeah recording yes yes how are you doing I'm doing good I'm I'm doing pretty good uh I I guess I should probably check my chart to see where uh, Gemini is sitting but wherever it is it's not actually I'll say I was more in my head like the last week and two weeks prior to the full moon so in between the last like between the new moon and the full moon and all that, like it's that, that was harder right now. Not so bad. When we talked earlier, I told you that it was in my first and second house. That's not actually where it is. Oh no. Right. So it's um, Gemini Mm -hmm. is in my eighth and ninth house. And then Sagittarius is in my second and third house. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're in your eighth house, eighth house of transformation Yep, and ninth house of wisdom, um, and then my second house of uh, self worth, right? And then my third house of communication. Okay, okay. So I was reading this article from yogajournal.com. So do you want to hear about it? Yes, oh, absolutely. Okay, so these are the just a shortened version, but if you can find it on. It's, it's up online right now. But essentially, it's saying that uh, with this full moon, we're working with the energies of both Gemini and Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. So as the moon and Sagittarius sit across one another, they're opposing signs. So we're seeing an illumination happening with both signs with ourselves, right? Because mm-hmm. And here's the thing that I think that more astrologers maybe should clarify, is that when we talk about like these planetary movements and and lunations and all these things that are happening we're not saying that they're happening because gemini is in a certain place it's because it's the it's the rule of as above so below it's a reflection it's just a reflection so that's why sometimes there are lunations and and planetary uh, uh, changes that don't affect us they're just we just don't feel them um nope and that's nope. that's just that's just how it goes because it's not it's not a rule it's just it's a no. reflection so yes. if it's there for you you can kind of find the explanation uh, but also if it's not it, that's okay too then uh, it's okay there are plenty of phases where I don't feel them also it's my understanding or this is my belief is since I've been studying astrology I've been studying it for about a year now. Mm-hmm. Astrology is a big old fucking algorithm in the sky that keeps us on track with our soul blueprint, the soul's intended growth and lessons. And if you look at it from that point of view, astrology always is there with the thing that's going to help you grow and learn your lessons. Always. Yeah. So with this particular full moon, we're we're going to feel into where we align with the lower energies of Gemini 
and where we embody the lower vibrations of Sagittarius, which I'll, I'll explain what those are. But we can then release or shift those vibrations and then align with the higher vibrations of both signs, merging them into our fields. And then we can take on the higher qualities of both signs. And that's good. And that's not to say like the the lower vibration, higher vibration isn't like a good and bad thing. It's it's the shadow aspect, right? Everything mm-hmm. that reflects light also has a shadow. So with both Gemini and Sagittarius, they're concerned with the mysteries of life and how we understand them. Gemini sees the details while Sagittarius considers the bigger picture. And then together, they're creating an expansive view with the knowledge of the intricacies that make the whole. Aligning with higher vibrations requires an open mind and a willingness to connect past our current perceptions. Yes. And gratitude for all the dots that connects to form in our lives. Yep. That's that new paradigm that we're moving into that we've referenced in several past episodes of this podcast, but definitely um, the um, Pluto in um, Capricorn and then moving into the Pluto in Aquarius, going back into Capricorn and then, Mm -hmm. you know, this back and forth, back and forth. So So, on the astrological wheel, each house has a house ruler. And then we also see how that is in our chart that planets will sit in different houses on our chart as well. But when it comes to chart rulers, so Gemini occupies the third house, which is the house of communication and Sagittarius Mm -hmm. occupies the ninth house of truth and knowledge. So we're seeing together how they form this axis. And when you're working with these energies, you can understand the foundation of how your mind works and then how you approach new information and how you process it. It is the processing. So this is where you ask yourself, do you embrace new ideas with comfort or do they threaten your sense of reality and make you feel defensive? Uh, and that's that's because like you're very strongly holding to where you're at. Like you don't want to. That's the old paradigm. Yeah, you don't want to yep. move. Uh, do you hold on to narratives for the sake of comfort or do you readily change the stories you tell yourself and welcome the unknown? And that's so many people are struggling with that. People don't like the unknown. They like the known, right? Only the known is, you know, is, um, who is the vampire in, um, um, the one in Italy, um, played by Michael Sheen. Only the known is safe, right? Anyway, I digress. (laughs) I I digress with a twilight, um, Oh, 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 sorry. Um, yes. So, um, anyway, people don't want, they want to know, they want to know, they want that solid ground on which to stand to feel safe. And when you're tasked with having full faith and surrendering that into the unknown so that the universe can bless you in ways you hadn't even thought of, it's fucking scary. Yeah. So I've, okay, this is related, I promise. I've been watching, I just finished watching Lessons in Chemistry on Apple TV. And it, it It's based on a book, which I have not read the book yet because I like to watch the series first and then read the book. Anyway. I know. Me too. People like to read the book first. I'm like, no. No, because it's that. never as good. So, but right. the other way, it's like you get like a sneak peek into things that weren't included and it's like, oh, I got like, I got like the backstory. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so it's, she's a scientist. It's, it's the main character. She's played by Brie Larson. She's, she's a scientist. The one thing, it was a really beautiful message in the show is that the only constant in life is change. And it's, it, and it's the same with science. Like that's what she's, she's a scientist and that's the, the core of what she does. And that's what lights her up. That's her purpose. Um, but yeah, that, that idea that, that understanding that the only constant in life is change. 
So with this lunation, you ask yourself, do you think in linear terms or do you understand the interconnectedness of everything? That's really beautiful. And it's, it's a wonderful way to sum up, you know, like human incarnation. Mm -hmm. Like, why are we here? We're not here to know and to base things on what we know to be true. We're Mm -hmm. not here for safety. We're not here for all of that, right? We're here to experience situations that we can't in spirit um, through our human embodiment and then take all of that knowledge and wisdom back to spirit, um, the back to the collective. So the unknown is again, it's the only thing that's, um, that's guaranteed is change, right? Yes. Praxis and change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then how do we deal with this full moon energy? Okay. Both of these signs need each other. The full moon in Gemini is a time to appreciate the details of life while working on the bigger picture. It's a time to understand how both the micro and the macro manage life. And our desires and dreams require intuitive guidance as well as logic. They need to-do lists and steps along with visions, daydreams, and serendipity. It's both, right? It's it's the both, yes. Yeah, it's the practical and the spiritual. Um, This full moon gives us the opportunity to find both the little things and the higher meaning of it all. Part of merging and working with the energies of Sagittarius and Gemini is releasing their low sides. So for Gemini, the low side is, it looks like division. And this occurs when we close ourselves off to other people's perspectives or ask questions for the sake of proving someone wrong. Gemini's Mm -hmm. low side appears when we overshadow another person's truth and talk over them or show our own knowledge. And we forget to listen and we forget to learn. This shadow side can show up when we feel uncomfortable, threatened, or afraid of losing the stories we tell ourselves. Dude. Sagittarius has a similar low side. Um, and that help shows up as self-righteousness and arrogance. Instead of remembering that everyone has something to teach, we assume that we have all the answers. We close ourselves off to people and act as if we know better because of our experiences. With this full moon in Gemini, we need to let go of any need to be correct. Just accept that your energy is constantly evolving and growing. No one has all the answers. And that is part of the beauty of being human. Align with the sides of Gemini and Sagittarius to weave a new story, a story that allows for changes in perception and embraces new information, seeing us all as interconnected energies. That's fantastic. What's the name of that article? It is just the Gemini Full Moon 2023 on yogajournal.com. Yogajournal.com. Okay. I have to tell you too that Gemini slash sad, the quote unquote low sides of those signs. Um, I experienced both of those yesterday in readings. Um, and I found myself constantly saying to the person, there were, were there were two people that were particularly challenging and I found myself constantly saying to them, I just need you to open to this perspective, mm-hmm. but there was so much ego and that's one of the challenges of readers that mm-hmm. readers have. And so just uh, that, that came through in my readings yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a good one to, to help those of us that are really in our head right now. Thanks girl. You're welcome. Um, what, uh, do you have any personal announcements? What's going on? Uh, I, my Etsy stores up and going. <laughs> yes, I'm. And then I, I plan on adding some, uh, crystals uh, on there. Cause I, as you know, I have a pretty large collection <laughs> of just kind of scattered different types of crystals. I just collect, I've collected a lot. 
Uh, she curates. I do. I do. Um, but I, I think that it's time for me to just kind of like really taper down on what I absolutely love and what I just bought because I thought it was cute at the moment. So mm-hmm. those cute items will probably be going up to my store soon. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, And then that money's going to be used to go to Quartzsite and buy more crystals. Yes. So I can, I can stock up and then we can have more, <laughs> we can have more stuff in January. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it was so exciting. <laughs> Yeah. I'm well I'm excited for you. So, you know, link your your Etsy site in the show notes. I will. Um yeah, because that's g- give people the opportunity because you have such good taste. You guys I already I say this every time we talk about her design skills, she's going to design my uh, everything in my house <laughs> at some point once I hit the millionaire status. Yes. Yep. It'll happen. Oh, how about you? What do you got going on? Um gosh, I've got um I'm going through a little bit of a transformation with my designs and my, um, it's not a Shopify or an Etsy store. It's just the store on my website. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm struggling a little bit with um, finding my specific style, but I think I found it and I'm going to start producing artisan pieces of jewelry. Um, I like that I am able to, you know, sometimes I'll just get this, 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 urge to make earrings. And of course those are like very low cost between like 10 and $20 pairs of earrings. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but those don't sell real well. Um, and so I'm, I'm just completely eliminating, um, the, I guess, idea that I'm going to make jewelry to make money. And I'm just going to make pieces that, um, speak of my soul and, um, you know, so that's kind of a, a new thing that I'm going through, but oh. no matter when you hear this, because I'm not going to get rid of all the stuff that's on there right now, yeah. everything in my shop has been reduced. Um, so there's some really good deals in my shop. So visit, um, my, the mystic metal and stone shop on my website. Awesome. Yeah. Get yourself some unique, one of a kind holiday gifts for your loved ones. I mean, or yourself. And they, they really are. Somebody just, somebody birch purchased a bracelet and it was lost in the, in the, don't get me fucking started on the post office <laughs> because they do not give a fuck. Um, They're like, no, oh, well, you know. Um, so I reached out to the person and I was like, well, I can offer you a credit or I can remake it for you. And they're like, um, but I don't have the same stone. And they're like, but the reason I bought it was because I like the stone. And I feel so bad because I'm like, oh, yeah, there's nothing I can do. I, it's I out can't. of your control. Yeah. I mean, when I buy stones, one of the things why I like buying different stones is because when I make a piece, it's typically one of a kind. Like I can't remake it yep. because, you know, there's only one stone. So anyway, so. Aww. Readings. There's some readings offers out there. So go to the esoterics community and go through, scroll through the feed. I know I have a couple offers out there for readings. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good time to get a reading because I know you could get something set up for what's your year going to look like for 2024. What, All know? right. Yeah. It's a good time to get some Reiki because that's right now in the stress of pre-holiday and thinking in this in this full moon energy like uh stress not so it's a good time to get some reiki too which i don't do reiki but v does yes i do if you're in her area freaking get yourself some because i would if i was down there absolutely all right i think i'm gonna start offering remote sessions i don't see why i don't see why i shouldn't i i mean you know i i don't like remote sessions because i want to feel the energy but 
I have gotten them from a couple people and they're really lovely. When okay, so let me ask you: when you do your when you've done remote sessions like that, um, where you're the receiver, are you like meeting over Zoom and like laying down and like they're taking you through a meditation? Everybody's different, um, but like typically, um, I lay down in my bed uh-huh. and at a specific time as agreed upon. And then, um, 30 minutes later, I, we meet on zoom to go over everything. That's how, oh. um, I know Angelie does it, um, with lyric awakening. I know mm-hmm. that that's how she does it. Um, and, um, it was really lovely. Other times, like when, when Kathy gives me like remote healing, uh-huh. um, she'll just do it like, um, she'll have me lay down in my bed and then she'll do it, okay. which I got to tell you, like, that's crazy. Kathy's remote healing because I can literally feel her working on different parts of my body. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. And I think that that's, if I were to do it, that's how, that's how I would prefer to do it because I've, I've been the receiver in that way before and it was amazing. Um, yeah. I, I would rather be hearing the person's voice and just kind of understanding like what, what's happening in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that resonates a lot better with me. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, then you can just put, you can just iPhone each other and mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yep. For sure. All right. Good. All right. Uh, do we have a, an, an announcement? Um, I mean about the retreat. Yes. Mm, go to our retreat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Hello, we're having a retreat. Um, (laughs) Registration for our 2024 Quantum Consciousness Retreat for Healers, Mystics, Seekers, and Alchemists is now open. Spots are beginning to fill. We're about close to half capacity. So get your application in if you want to partake in our retreat. This will be taking place in Desert Hot Springs, California. This is near Joshua Tree National Park. The dates are Tuesday, March 19th through Friday, March 22nd. Like I said, registration is currently open. The cost of the entire week is $1,555 with the options to make monthly payments via PayPal to help you break down the costs and make, make it into easier, smaller payments. And listen, you are going to spend four days in the gorgeous adjacent uh, Joshua Tree National Park. We're going to do soul blueprint charting, interpretation, manifestation, visualization, breath work, channeling, dream work, learning how to facilitate a healing circle. You'll be receiving that beautiful Karuna Reiki energy that we just talked about. And you will um, get a little Akashic insight. Um, We're also going to have two really amazing meditations, one in the water and one in the desert. So there's lots to look forward to. It's a great package in a beautiful, beautiful house. And there's a pool, y'all, a pool a pool and it's going to be March in the desert. So it should be warm enough to swim. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm taking, and there's a hot tub. Oh my God. Yes. I'm going to spend all my time in that hot tub <laughs> or in the pool. I mean, so it's, it's a, it's going to be wonderful. So come, yes. come hang out with us. It'll be a good time. Yep. All right, Joe, what are we talking about today? Today we are going to talk about gods and monsters, villains and heroes. We're going to cover the myths and the legends behind each of the zodiac signs. Oh, very cool. I know, right? So first, I want to credit my source. Mm -hmm. 
The Only Astrology Book You'll Ever Need by Joanna Martine Woolfolk. And this is literally, it's a great, fun book on astrology and one of the few that are actually interesting to read. So it's like she's a wonderful storyteller. She's got a great deal of sass and um, she has a great personality and it comes through in her writing. It's it's really a very entertaining book is why I started to... um, why I saw this. So there's a section in there. I think it's like chapter 12 or something. And it covers all of these that we're talking about. So if you want to read the original text, go in there. Of course, I've put my own spin on it, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the sake of storytelling. But this book, um, I inherited it from my astrology loving Uncle Xavier, who passed away in January of 2014. Um, so I am going to dedicate this episode to my uncle, Xavier, who I called Uncle Sabi, mm-hmm. um, and who loves to come through to me in spirit and to remind me that I'm his Joanna Wanna Banana. Aww. He says, he says, you are a Figueres, and Figueres can do anything. <laughs> That's sweet. I love that. Yeah, it makes me cry. Um, I miss him so much, but he was just my biggest fan. So uh, this is to you, Uncle Sebi. <laughs> All right. Who, while I get my uh, emotions back in check. Well, I'll tell you real quick. I don't own this book, but I know this book because as a teenager, anytime I would walk into any bookstore, that was the book that I would go to. I would go to that book every time because there's a part in it that there's a section in it that talks about compatibility, yes. right? So it's like you can look at your sign and then your crush's mm-hmm. sign and then you can see yeah. like if you're compatible or not. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like Linda Goodman's sun signs, yes. right? Or love signs. Yes. yes. Which I have that um, book. Yes. 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 <laughs> well, I I remember when we were going through his stuff, he had so much astrology stuff, but I wasn't into astrology. And now, of course, I'm kicking myself for not <laughs> picking all of it, but that was the one that popped out at me. And I'm like, I don't know why, but, you know, the book says this is the only astrology book you'll ever need. Yeah. So uh, I picked it up. So, yeah, um, it's a good, it's, it's a fun read. So if you don't have this book, guys, get it. Um, it's super fun. All right. So... Have you ever looked up at the night sky and wondered about the stars? Those mystical, mythical stories that go along with these heavenly constellations. These are the tales of gods and monsters and villains and heroes. So modern astrology doesn't really rely on these stories anymore, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But if we look closely, we might feel their magic in our everyday life. So the 12 zodiac signs have their origins in the constellations. Yes. And each constellation has their origin within Greek mythology. Okay. Okay. So let's dig a little deeper into it. And we'll start with the first sign of the zodiac represented by Aries the Ram. And this begins in ancient Greece with a king named Athamas. And I'm just going to preface this by saying, first off, you go, we've talked about the Greeks before. <laughs> I can't describe their fucking names, right? It's, it's hard. So just know that I don't know what the hell, how the hell, how the hell to say it, right? So Athamas married a woman called Nepheli, and together they had two children, a son and a daughter, Nexus and Heli, okay? okay. When Athamas grew tired of Nepheli, he deserted her, and it, then he took another wife, because the Greeks, they didn't fucking care, Of right? course. So he took another wife, Eno. 
And Eno, he had two other, he had two sons with Eno, all right? But Eno was a jealous and petty woman who hated her stepchildren and began plotting their deaths with this elaborate plan. Oh, my God. So she started by convincing the women in her community to roast the corn before they planted it. Okay. Okay. Now this, of course, created a famine because you can't roast corn before you plant it, right? It created a famine that swept the land. So King Athamas sent a messenger to the Oracle at Delphi, and we've talked about mm-hmm. um, the Oracle at Delphi before. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, go find out what the fuck caused this famine. Find out what's going on. And apparently it never occurred to Athamas to ask the women who actually planted the corn, right? I mean, much like modern day lawmakers who make reproductive laws without consulting women, but I digress. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Eno bribed the king's messenger, right? Because she's a petty conniving. She said, okay, I want you to tell the king that the crops won't grow again until his two oldest children that he had with Nepheli are sacrificed to Jupiter. And let me just preface this by saying... Jupiter is the um, the planet of expansion, but throughout this, Jupiter Jupiter is much like Zeus, a dick. Oh okay? no. Okay, but we'll find out that through through the next you know couple of stories. Anyway, so Nefeli said you, 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 those two kids need to be sacrificed to Jupiter. Wow. All right. Well, the king it was a gullible dumbass, and he trusted the messenger, so he immediately began making plans to kill his son and daughter in order to save his people from famine. Oh, my okay? God. Meanwhile, Nexus and Heli, those are the kids, they're clueless, right? They're just tending to their flock of sheep, uh-huh. okay? Now, this flock happened to include a rando ram with golden fleece. Okay. Okay? And the golden ram had been given to their mother, Nepheli, Remember, Athamas's first wife mm-hmm. as a present from Hermes, the god who's represented by Mercury. All right. Uh-huh. So yes. Nefeli gets wind of the fuckery. And, you know, she's like, what the hell? And she says to the ram, save my children. Okay. Now, of course, that made me go, what the hell's a ram going to do? Why didn't she just save the kids? But whatever. This is mythology. This is Greek mythology. And I know. sometimes it's dumb. Um, so anyway... I'm like, well, what the fuck is the ram going to do? I'll tell you what the ram's going to do. In classic Greek mythology nonsense, (laughs) the ram speaks with the voice of a man. All right. So now all of a sudden this ram can speak. And he warns Nexus and Heli. He says, you're in danger. He's like, dudes, you guys are in danger. Climb on my back. So they climbed on him and he flew them across the sea to safety. Okay. All right. But as they were crossing, Heli fainted and fell off the ram's back into the sea and drowned. Oh, no. Right. Like, anyway, the whole story is sus if you ask me. Because why? Because her brother, however, was carried safely to land. Okay, so now while this put an end to the plotting of the villainous Eno, it didn't do shit to relieve the famine or knock some damn sense into King Athamas. So to top it all off, the ungrateful Nexus killed the ram as a sacrifice to Jupiter, who then put the ram's likeness among the stars in heaven to honor him for his heroism. Honestly, that seems like a terrible constellation gift. See what I did there? (laughs) Uh, I feel like a lot of people in this story, like... (laughs) just went along and didn't question things like first my first question was is these women who are planting the corn 
Mm-hmm. Was it your first time planting corn? <laughs> like when someone told you, hey, let's burn it before we put it in the ground. None of you were like, mm, I don't think that's right. Or why don't we do like a small batch? I'd like to see some of your agricultural credentials, yes. you know, you petty bitch, right? Oh all right. Um, and so all of the stories are as ridiculous as this. And that's why I was like, dude, this is going to make the best podcast episode because <laughs> these stories are, these people are just, we're just dumb. But sometimes they're heroic and lovely. So we'll get into those. Okay. okay. So the next we have Taurus the bull. It's the second sign of the zodiac. And Taurus is represented by an animal that is fierce and gentle, strong and sexual. This myth begins with Jupiter again, who loved the ladies. Jupiter was worse than Zeus, in my opinion. Oh, was he? He had numerous love affairs, wives and mistresses. One particular tryst was with the beautiful but sheltered princess Europa, who lived in her father's palace. One night she had this dream in which a strange man came to her and held out her arms. I'm sorry, a strange woman came to her. Okay. She held out her arms and she said, I shall bring you Jupiter for destiny has appointed you his beloved. Okay. Okay. All right. The next day when Europa was outside picking flowers, Jupiter saw her and he was thunderstruck by her beauty. Also, because he has no fucking self-control, he (laughs) had to have her. He knew that an innocent girl would run from him, though, if he showed himself in his true godlike image. Okay. So he transformed himself into a magnificent bull with jeweled horns and a silver crescent moon in the middle of his forehead. Okay. Um, all right. To be fair, if I saw that bull, I'd go up to him, too. Okay. He'd <laughs> be like, oh, you're cute. <laughs> yep. So anyway, Europa was fascinated by this beautiful bull climbed on his back which is exactly what he wanted right as soon as she was on he sprang into the air and carried her away to the island of crete Mm -hmm. the fucker abducted her this is trafficking that's what this is this is trafficking he abducted her he's kidnapped her yep (laughs) so once he got to crete he changed himself back into his true self and declared his love And as a result, he and Europa became lovers and had three children together. Okay. Okay. Due to his happiness, he took the likeness of the bull and placed it in the heavens. Oh. Yes. Now, there's a side story to this. this, Okay. Okay. So not long after that, Venus appeared to Europa to confess that she was the strange woman in the dream and that the continent she had been taken to, abducted, would be known as Europe. Oh, okay. Europa, Europe. Okay, yes, yes. But here's another side story. Oh, it's just side story. Jupiter, <laughs> Jupiter was already fucking married to the goddess Juno. Oh, <laughs> right. So again, so what Jupiter, did Juno find out? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but I'm sure if she did, she probably did some some scandalous retributional type stuff you know yeah yeah these people again this is either adulterous uncontrollable fiends is what they are so did did they all like i know um i know europa is one of jupiter's moons Mm -hmm. uh did he just did all his um ex-lovers become his their his moons i wonder Um, i have no idea um, I mean, we could do like a part two at some point, but um, how Taurus the bull got up into the heavens um, is because um, 
um, Venus put him up there, oh. right? Um, his result, Europa became lovers. He took the no, no, no. Um, Jupiter put him up there. Okay, um, he took the likeness of the bull and placed it in the heavens. So Jupiter put the bull up there. Okay, because he's like um, the bull is what gave me my beautiful Europa that I was cheating on with my um, wife um, Juno. <laughs> God, <laughs> these freaks. All right. <laughs> Next, we have Gemini, the twins. That's the third sign of the Zodiac, this full moon that we're going into. And he is the first, well, Gemini is the first sign of the Zodiac to have a human symbol rather than an animal. Okay. So the myth of the twins also involves Jupiter and his eye for a pretty face. Um, But in this story, the object of his affection is a beautiful woman named Leda, who is married to Tyndareus, the king of Sparta. Of course, lustful fucking shape-shifting Jupiter changed himself into the form of a magnificent swan. Oh. Details are a little sketchy how a bird managed to seduce Lita. (laughs) She was really into birds. I don't know. Since I've never been attracted to a bird, I can't offer any possible insight. (laughs) So anyway, Lita bore two eggs. Okay, not a baby. (laughs) Two <laughs> eggs. So Lita had eggs. Um, <laughs> she make breakfast too. <laughs> yes. And the story goes that one of the eggs was the offspring of Jupiter and the other one was the offspring of Lita's actual husband. Oh, she had okay. two uteruses. Yes. <laughs> or something. So the story goes that one of the eggs was the offspring of Jupiter and the other was the offspring of Lita's actual husband. Okay. <laughs> The two eggs produced four children, two brothers, Castor and Pollux, and two sisters, Helen of Troy and Clytemnestra. Oh, (laughs) honestly. Okay. Honestly, I don't know how you say that word. So again, (laughs) any Greek mythology experts out there? Sorry. (laughs) I have no idea. It's okay. Anyway. It's unclear exactly who Jupiter sired, though, but in either case, the twin brothers, Castor and Pollux, grew up inseparable. Okay. The twin brothers are described as high-spirited young men. Fortunately, during a battle, well, unfortunately, during a battle, Uh Castor died, and his twin was inconsolable, so he went to his father, Jupiter, to beg him to bring Castor back to life. Oh, In turn, Pollux volunteered to give up his own life. So Jupiter rewarded the brothers' great love of each other by placing them in the sky as stars. And there they shine bright in the constellation of Gemini side by side throughout the ages. Oh, that's sweet. I like that story. Yeah, that's actually a sweet one. See, they're not all awful. But Mm -hmm. I mean, you remember those two brothers came from eggs. (laughs) Fourth sign of the Zodiac is symbolized by Cancer the Crab. The crab symbol was placed in the Zodiac 500 years ago before Christ by the Chaldeans, Uh who gave it the name of Cancer because the crab's backward movement appeared to represent the sun's movement. Okay. Basically, when the sun reaches the sign of Cancer, like on the solstice, it seems to remain stationary for a few days, and the word solstice signifies sun standing still. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. According to Greek legend... Cancer is the giant crab that attacked the foot of Hercules while he was battling the monstrous nine-headed serpent Hydra. Ah, yes, Hydra. 
Ah, yes, Hydra. Hercules is the son of Jupiter, who had been sent on 12 difficult undertakings known as the 12 labors of Hercules. Okay. One of his labors was to slay the serpent, but was having trouble because because the crab attacked his foot. (laughs) So every time Hercules cut off one of Hydra's heads, Mm -hmm. two more grew in his place, and he's having to deal with this crab who's freaking biting him. (laughs) Great. So it's like the crab collabed with Hydra to fuck Hercules up. I see. Okay. Okay. Uh, But I want to know what the crab's beef with Hercules was, because they don't go into that. Uh, Maybe it was just his nature. Oh, the crab. The crab was crabby. Yeah. So... Now, uh, but it it does seem, though, that the crab's attack on Hercules was instigated by Juno. Juno again. Oh. Jupiter's jealous wife who wanted Hercules destroyed. See, they all hate each other. They're all awful. Incestuous, awful humans. Or gods. Um, And then I, you know, why? Who who knows? They're, They're all petty. Yeah, yeah, they are. So, unfortunately, the giant crab's attack it really just sealed his own fate because Hercules killed the crab. And legend has it that Juno was so grateful for the crab's attempt to carry out her orders as a reward for its obedience and sacrifice. She placed the crab's image in the heavens. Mm, Okay. Next is Leo the lion. It's the fifth sign of the Zodiac represented by the King of beasts. The mythology of the lion is based on the story of Hercules again, um, who is the son of Jupiter and Alcmena, which we learned in the legend of cancer. Okay. Now remember, Jupiter is actually married to Juno, who is understandably enraged by Jupiter's fucking inability to keep it in his pants. Right. And he's out here. Not, and not only is he out here ph- <laughs> philandering, but he's also like spreading his seed everywhere. <laughs> he's, he's making babies, eggs. He doesn't oh, care. Jupiter's like, I shall populate the earth with my children. So Juno doesn't actually like Hercules at all um, and hasn't since he was a baby. Of course. And also remember that we talked about Hercules. He was sent on those 12 labors mm-hmm. of Hercules. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. So Hercules' first labor was to go to the Valley of Naima and kill the savage and fearless Nemean lion. But the skin of this lion couldn't be hurt by the weapons of man, right? Stone, iron, bronze, it all simply bounced off his pelt. So Hercules is trying to kill this lion with weapons that don't work. Mm -hmm. So instead, he wrestles the lion to the ground, barehanded, and manages to get a grip on the lion's neck and strangles him to death. Oh, okay. I've seen that image before. Yes. Okay. Okay. Okay, but I call bullshit, right? So weapons don't work, but choking him does? Mm, but, but probably because, like, you can't pierce his skin. You have to, like, you have to squeeze. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever Greek mythology. <laughs> All right, but the lion got his licks in, too, by biting off Hercules' finger. So after he killed the lion, Hercules skinned him of his magical pelt, making himself a breastplate from his fur and a helmet from the lion's jaw. Rude. This new armor, right? I mean, he just parted him out Uh, (laughs) he did this new armor was um, to prove very valuable during all of his subsequent labors Mm. um you know and i don't know maybe he had like 11 more of the labors but i mean he did if this was the very first one or one of the first ones Mm -hmm. so the constellation of leo is said to commemorate the bravery of combat between hercules and the magnificent lion 
Um, I mean, I'm a Leo Moon, and I don't think that his bravery was magnificent. Like, he killed a lion. I, I mean, I would not be impressed if somebody I said, I fought a lion with my bare hands, and he bit off my finger. That's like, well, That's like- I mean, fuck around and find out. I mean, like, you, you know, you... <laughs> You should have been worse, but okay. Yeah, right? You you got off easy. Yeah. I mean, the lion is the true hero here. So anyway, that's also a very Leo opinion to have, don't you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Next, we come to Virgo the Virgin. Virgo is the sixth sign of the Zodiac and is often depicted as a young woman holding wheat because she's associated with the harvest. Yes. The legend of Virgo is found in the Greek myth of creation. The story goes that before men or animals lived on Earth, a race of giants called Titans ruled the world. Mm -hmm. Two Titan brothers, Prometheus and Epimetheus, were given the task of creating human beings and animals. When they were done, Epimetheus gave various gifts to the animals, wings to one, claws to another, etc. He was generous, very generous with his gifts. Okay. So when it came time to dispense something to man, he didn't have anything left to give. So Prometheus decided to help by going to heaven and coming back with the gift of fire. This made man superior to other species, for with fire he could stay warm, make tools, eventually develop like commerce and science. And in comes Jupiter. Oh. Well, he was mad at the gods. For giving out that, or he was mad at the God's secret of fire being given out. And so he, so he chained Prometheus to a rock mm. where an eagle tore at his liver for all eternity. Oh no. How? He was a vindictive dick, right? He also sent a curse to earth in the form of a box brought by Pandora. Oh. All right. However, Pandora was told, don't open that box. Uh But, you know, here it is. But like most women, she did not appreciate being told what to do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So she lifted the lid off the box and found out. Oh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, out came the plagues of sickness, death, anger, envy, and revenge. Oh. Okay. So she unleashed Pandora's box on the earth. Oh, okay. Okay, but at the bottom of the box, there was one thing that had not escaped, hope. Mm. So during the terrible times that followed, the gods deserted Earth one by one. And the very last one to leave was Estrella, the goddess of innocence and purity. After leaving Earth, she was placed among the stars and became the constellation of Virgo. And legend has it that one day the golden age will come again and that Estrella will return to Earth. Oh, okay. So the Virgo virgin goddess holding the piece of wheat is Estrella. Oh, okay. Estrella. Mm-hmm. Goddess of innocence and purity, Virgo the virgin. Hmm. Yeah, that's sort of a sweet story, too. I mean, other than um, Prometheus getting chained to a, um, to a rock, <laughs> which <laughs> we'll, we'll, hear, we'll hear more about Prometheus okay. in one of the coming. All right. Next is our one of our favorites, Libra the Scales. Yeah. Libra is the seventh astrological sign and the only one to have a symbol that is neither animal nor human. The scales represent balance and justice, harmony, and equilibrium. Libra is also associated with the harvest, like the previous sign of Virgo, Mm -hmm. because in ancient times, grains and crops were weighed on scales after they were harvested. Okay. Makes sense. 
skills also have a more profound symbolism as judgment. Yes. In Egyptian religion, the scales of judgment were used by the god Anubis, the conductor of souls. He's the one who had the head of a jackal. Yes. And he guided the dead through the underworld to make sure that they were judged fairly. I didn't know that okay. was his job. Yeah. So basically what he did was using these scales, the soul of the dead had to be in harmony with truth before it could pass into the afterlife. So the scale has also been associated with the concept of justice and the law. Yes. In Greek mythology, justice was represented by the goddess Themis, mother of Astraea, who we talked about in Virgo. Mm -hmm. Themis and Australia, Australia, I want to say Australia. <laughs> Themis and Australia are the constellations of Libra and Virgo, and they shine side by side. Legend is that once the human race finally reaches the golden age, mm -hmm. Themis, symbolizing justice, and her daughter Astraea, symbolizing innocence, will return to Earth. Oh, okay. So we have something to look forward to. Sure. Scorpio the scorpion. The eighth sign of the zodiac is represented by the scorpion, a poisonous creature that can paralyze its victims with a sting of its tail. Mm -hmm. However, the scorpion was not always thought of as poorly as it is now. In ancient Egypt, it was deified in the form of Selket, Selket the scorpion goddess. Selket was the protectress of the dead and is often seen on the walls of tombs with her wings spread out in a protective gesture. Okay, okay. I think I've seen that. The classical myth of the scorpion begins with the death of Orion, a beautiful young giant and a great hunter who is the son of Neptune, god of the sea. So Orion dies. Mm -hmm. And tales of his strength and manliness are legendary, and there are many versions of his death, all right? So we're going to go through um, just a couple of them. So in one, Eos, the goddess of dawn, fell in love with him and carried him away with her, okay? Oh. Uh, I, I'm assuming... That's a peaceful way to die. I mean, I don't know if he was dead or alive. Um, oh, no, he was alive. So oh. basically, Eos is like, dude, come with me. So she she, she abducted and <laughs> attempted to traffic and So him. it went both ways, right? <laughs> All it right. really did. That's right? equality. She's a feminist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Diana, who's the moon goddess, she became jealous that Eos got to take a mortal lover and commanded a scorpion, a scorpion to kill Orion. So that's how he died. Okay. Oh. In one version. In another version, Orion tried to rape Diana and she called forth a giant scorpion out of the earth to sting him to death. Oh, it, it, it's, it's a whole he said, she said, right? He said, <laughs> she said. We don't know. We don't know. We don't. After Orion's death, Jupiter placed both Orion and the scorpion among the stars, each becoming a constellation. Um, Orion, with his golden armor and sword in hand, is one of the brightest and most spectacular constellations in the heavens underwent on a winter night. But when the scorpion rises in the summer, the brilliance of Orion fades. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I actually think that Orion got fucked in this whole story. Yeah. Because, you know, first off, Eos fell in love with him and then took him away, right? She kidnapped and trafficked him. Meanwhile, Diana is jealous and petty. Sure. Just, I don't trust Diana for some reason. <laughs> and um, and who is she the daughter of? Who is Diana the daughter of? Jupiter. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So so Jupiter is, Jupiter is basically Zeus for the Greeks. Yes. 
Yes. Fucking Jupiter. He's worse than Zeus. All right. So Sagittarius the Archer. Sagittarius is the ninth sign of the Zodiac and is depicted as an archer. But not an ordinary man drawing a bow. Sag is half man and half horse. He's a centaur. And it's the only astrological sign to have both the human and animal representation. I love centaurs. Ever since they dragged Professor Umbridge away into the Forbidden Forest in uh, my other Harry Potter reference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> the constellation of Sagittarius is not and just any centaur, though. Um, he's the great and wise Chiron, the wounded healer, a son of the Titan god Saturn. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, dude. Of course, Chiron is the son of Saturn as yeah, a Capricorn. Those two are the bane of my existence in my astrology birth chart. All right. So Chiron was a friend and confidant of both gods and men. The gods taught him the art of medicine, hunting, and prophecy. And in turn, Chiron became a master teacher. And one of his famous pupils was Hercules. So one day, Hercules was hunting. He accidentally struck Chiron in the knee with a poison arrow. And suffering in agony, he couldn't die because Chiron is immortal. Yeah. Yeah. So Hercules promised to go. He's like, dude, I'm going to go find death and I'm going to release you from your suffering. So on his journey, he came across Prometheus. Now remember, Prometheus had been chained to a rock where an eagle tore at his liver for all eternity in the story of Virgo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And Jupiter had put a curse on Prometheus. So his torture would last until someone using his own free will consented to suffer in his place. Mm, that's not a fair mm-hmm. trade. No. No. Good luck Jupiter. with that. Freaking Jupiter. That's what I was saying. Sorry, you're fucked, Prometheus. I'm not getting my liver torn at. All right. But the dying Chiron, Chiron took Prometheus's place, and thus the curse was lifted. Now, as a result of doing that, Chiron was allowed to die while Prometheus was set free by Hercules. So it worked out in Chiron's favor, but what made him go, um, I'm dying, suffering because of my knee, mm-hmm. but instead I'm going to be dying, suffering, getting a bird plucking at my liver all day long. I- I'm going with the knee. I'm taking the knee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so Hercules was like, dude, I'll set you free. Um, Prometheus was set free and Chiron was allowed to die. So after Chiron's death, Jupiter rewarded his noble character by placing his heroic centaur among the stars and became the constellation Sagittarius. So Sagittarius is actually Chiron, but Chiron also has his own um, spot in our in the skies as the wounded healer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So see, it doesn't totally make sense. Yeah. Because how can you have two? I mean. You know what I mean? It's the it's the Greek and Roman thing. That's what kind of mm-hmm. what messes things up. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, which one do we follow? Which one is it? Mm-hmm. Capricorn, the goat, uh, the greatest of all time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's really not actually. Initially, I thought Capricorn's story was the most boring one. Oh, um, the tenth sign of the zodiac is represented by the goat, a sure-footed animal who scales the heights by using his using every foothold for leverage. Uh-huh. In ancient times, Capricorn was depicted as part goat and part fish, known as the sea goat. In Babylonian religion, the sea goat was a revered god named Ea. 
who brought learning and culture to the people of Mesopotamia. And while Ea lived in the ocean, every day he came out of the sea to dispense his wisdom every, and every night he returned to the sea. Okay. So sea goat, part goat, part fish. Oh, oh. In Greek and Roman culture, Capricorn had become associated with the god Pan. Okay. Pan was a lusty creature who ruled over the woodlands and fields. Pan was a man from the waist up and a goat from the waist down. Is this where pansexual comes from? Uh, it could be. It could be. Hmm. I'm sure it is. Legend says that Pan was transformed into half goat, half fish when he dove into the river Nile to escape the giant um, Hydra. Remember Hydra? Oh, okay. It was Hydra, the monster with the hundred yes. dragon heads. and yeah, but, but only part of him transformed. So he had the head and body of a goat and the rear of a fish. And Zeus, being amused by this, put the image among the stars as the constellation Capricorn. Oh, okay. Right, so we're a big fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> I failed to see this. <laughs> well, it is a sea goat, which, <sighs> you know. Right, right. Okay, and then we get Zeus busting in on it. Like, Zeus, who invited you in, right? But he needs no invitation. He just walks he on in. No invitation. He needs no invitation. Um. All right, let me see if I can... I don't hear Hollis barking. Hopefully he pooped out there. <clears throat> Aquarius the water bearer is the 11th sign of the Zodiac. And it's a human figure carrying a vase from which water pours out. Mm -hmm. The symbol of the water bearer goes back to both Egyptian and Babylonian times. In Egypt, the water bearer was the god Hap, the personification of the river Nile. Hap carried two vases of water, which represented both the north and the south. Considered the sustainer of all life, all living things would die without the waters of Hap. Uh -huh. okay. In Greek literature, the constellation of Aquarius was called the water pourer and is sometimes thought to represent the god Jupiter who caused the waters to pour from heaven. Okay. At the beginning of creation, gods and men live in harmony during an era called the Golden Age. We've referred to that a couple times mm -hmm. and the earth produced food without men having to till the soil and the waters flowed with wine and honey oh. then comes pandora who opened her box of fuckery and plagues and <laughs> sickness of the mind and body were released onto earth mm, okay yeah so jupiter he looks down and he decides look i'm gonna get rid of all the people who fucked up the golden age they dicked it up <laughs> And I'm going to create a new human race, much more worthy of life. Jupiter was fucking Trump, right? Uh-huh. Or, or some, so with, some kind of eugenicist. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so with the help of his brother Neptune, he flooded the earth with water. Only two people were saved. And it was not Noah and all <laughs> those animals. It was Deucalion and his wife Pyrrha, who basically worshipped the gods so faithfully um, that when the, the the flood came, they took refuge on Mount Parnassus. Okay. Okay. Well, when Jupiter saw them clinging to the mountain, he remembered their exemplary lives in service to him. Oh, you like me, so I'm going to save you. Mm -hmm. So he caused the waters to recede and the earth to dry out. Okay. 
Then Deucalion and Pyrrha were commanded to cast the bones of their mother behind them. This is where it gets a little bit weird. Yeah. So they're saved, and now they're supposed to cast the bones of their mother behind them, right? Does that mean, like, was she already dead, or what does that mean? Right. What does that mean? Okay, so they interpreted it to mean stones of the earth. So you mean throw stones behind us as we walk? Nobody knows what that fucking means except for fucking Jupiter. I mean, maybe right. it's just like meet, leave the old behind, I guess. I I'm know. sure. I'm sure it is. But what they did is they began throwing stones behind them as they walked and the stones turned into human beings. Oh, okay. So we just came from rocks now. Mm-hmm. Okay. The stones thrown by Deucalion became men and the stones thrown by Pyrrha became women. Thus, a new race of mankind sustained by water. Oh, Mm -hmm. so now you understand why Aquarius people tend to be weird and offbeat. (laughs) Yes, and uh, yes, and embrace like the bizarre or yeah, out of the the box functional. Mm -hmm. Yes, Yes. and it's like, all right, well, that explains out of all of them, that's the most logical one, if you ask me. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Lastly, we have Pisces the fish. The twelfth and final sign of the zodiac is represented by two fish swimming in opposite directions, symbolizing conflicting emotions and hidden depth. Pisces are very sensitive. Yes. In Greek mythology, the two fishes are associated with the story of Venus and Cupid, a great and terrible monster named Typhon, who we learned about in the sign of Capricorn. Typhon is also, um, who's the monster that I said? Hydra. Hydra. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we learned about Typhon and Hydra previously. Um, now why Hydra and Typhon were so like, you know, awful were, was that Typhon had 100 dragon heads, eyes that shot fire and a voice that was a combination of hissing snakes, bellowing bulls and roaring lions. Wow. Sounds like it's awful. (laughs) So one day, Venus and her son Cupid were walking along the river when Typhon suddenly appeared, intent upon their destruction. Mm-hmm. Well, they were terrified, unable to flee. Why is what I want to know. Run. Um, Venus called on her father Jupiter for help. Dude, dad, help us. Mm. So Jupiter quickly changed Venus and Cupid into two fish, and they jumped into the river to escape. Oh. I don't know why they couldn't jump as humans, but... I mean, it gives them, like, they can camouflage and run away, so. Now, another version of the story is that two brave fish actually leapt out of the water to rescue Venus and Cupid and carry them off on their backs through the river to safety. Okay, okay. So, as a reward, Minerva, the virgin goddess, placed the two fishes among the stars where they became the constellation of Pisces. Oh, Sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yay. Thanks, Minerva. Um, all right. So that's it. Now, listen, I can't find the post to share. I tried to find it and I couldn't. I don't even remember where I saw it. But I recently saw an astrology teacher tell people, basically, she's like, listen, if you want to learn astrology, learn the mythology behind each sign first and foremost before you start learning about the houses and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did it the opposite way, but now I see how they're so beautifully connected. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I see how yep. one supports the other or one yes. yeah, the interconnected. And then also it just makes sense uh, as Jupiter 
being this like overseer of of everything. So I did I did Google Jupiter and Zeus same person. It it, mm-hmm. it pops up and it says that the Romans regarded Jupiter as the equivalent of the Greek Zeus. And in Latin literature and Roman art, the myths iconography of Zeus are adapted under the name Jupiter. And in Greek influenced tradition, Jupiter was a brother of Neptune and Pluto, the Roman equivalents of Poseidon and Hades. Nice. That's fantastic. That's why I kept making the connection between Jupiter and Zeus. I'm like, how is how, he's no better than Zeus? He's worse than he's Zeus the, in some ways. He's right? the same. Yeah, it's same right. same guy. He is the same guy. So there you have just a few of the many versions of the stories behind each of the signs of the Zodiac. There are thousands of articles out there and links and all that good stuff. So um, each Zodiac has at least one alternative version of any story. So go forth and explore my beautiful star seekers. Um, It really does help to have the modality of astrology. It it gives it a richness and a depth and just, you know, it's just more interesting too. So I think it also helps with... um tarot too because because you know especially with the major arcana it just helps you understand so much more behind each one of the cards even though i took the majority of these stories from the book um the only astrology book you'll ever need um there were i had several questions right i went down several rabbit holes i'm like wait a minute that doesn't make sense why Mm -hmm. so then i would google and then there would be 10 other stories that would pop up so it it was a really um it was probably one of the stories that came together the fastest Mm -hmm. Um, and that I had the most fun, um, you know, digging into. So it was next time we have another top 10, this is definitely going to be one of my top 10s. Yes. Yeah. That was fun. Well, thank you. That was great. I learned a lot. Well, friends, that means it's time to say goodbye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share on your stories, subscribe, and leave us a review. This helps our podcast grow. And if we grow, that means the ability to do this work grows with it. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Stay mystical, magical, and don't let anyone tell you what to do. Especially Jupiter. Jupiter.